Born in Zambia with a Rwandan bloodline and now a South African, Sarah Kamalo has achieved her dream. On 16th May 2019, she became the first black woman from Africa to summit Mount Everest. But this was not her first attempt. She tried three times before. In a previous attempt in 2014, there was an avalanche and she had to go back home. In another year, there was an earthquake in Nepal, so she had to turn back. In 2017, when she was only 99 meters from the top, she encountered icy cold windstorms and had to be rescued by helicopter. Still, she never gave up. Kamalo, a mother of two, writes on her website, My dream is to go higher and go further for as long as I can breathe, to pave a way for my children and other ordinary people, so we may realize and accept that ordinary people like us can achieve extraordinary heights. To not think too much about the difficulties along the way, but keep focused on the end goal and to take their hand, motivate them to realize that they too may dream the impossible dream. She's here to talk to us about developing a focused mindset when the odds are against you. Welcome to Hype Woman, the podcast. I'm speaking to Sarah Kumalo. Is it Sarah or Saray? It's Sarah, Sarah Kumalo. Yeah, long story about the name, but yeah, it is Sarah. Okay, so I interviewed you, I think it was last year, when I found out that you were the first African woman who climbed Mount Everest. And I was just fascinated because, just to give you a backstory, I've worked in corporate digital media marketing, and I've come across stories where brands sponsor women or, or, or just people who do these crazy adventurous sports where they quit their jobs and then they sail across the world or they climb Mount Everest. But most of the times these were European women. I remember sitting in on one meeting and laughing and thinking to myself, well, from where I come from, we're not going to relate to this because this is not our reality. Where, why aren't we sponsoring <laughs> people of color with who have different kinds of hardships and, and for them the challenges are even greater when you accomplish these things. And I remember another girl, I think she was from Brazil, like she just looked at me and she nodded and she's like, I totally get you. But this is the thing. And then when you decided and when you conquered this mountain, I thought, wow, she set in precedence for all young girls of color and young black kids in, in South Africa and around the world, I think the five-year-old child in me was just, just screaming for joy and thinking, oh my God, like it's finally happening. <laughs> Absolutely. So it, it's first black African woman who have uh, um, white Africans. That yes. But yeah, you're right. It's an exciting moment. I think it was, especially for me, more so because it wasn't my first attempt. It was my uh, fourth attempt. When I first did Everest in 2014, I also came home and sat in the boardroom and wondered, what are we doing? There's more things out there. And I quit <laughs> my job. <laughs> and I went and I toured Russia and climbed Mount Elbrus in Russia. Oh, wow. Uh, and I came back home and realized, oops, I needed to eat. So I found another job. But be that as it may, <laughs> it's, um, it's an exciting way. And, and it's one thing that I enjoy doing. 
but also it's just removing that barrier that says to my child, my grandchild, yeah. this is not for you. You know, I, I cannot believe that somebody like me was only able to do it 66 years later. You know, the world is becoming a global village more and more. I think yes. we talked about last time. My son is no longer competing with the child next door. He's competing with the child across the world. How are we making sure that we're leveling the playing field? It's by ensuring that in every corner there is representation so that it's not the first black this. You know, it's yes. great who's more passionate about it and they get there at, and leveling the playing field. And I think our generation have the opportunity to do exactly that. And I know Everest and the cold is not <laughs> but but everybody has got their corner. What are you doing to make sure that, you know, you are ensuring that it's the norm and not the exception? Tell me a little bit more about your childhood and, and how did that play a role or did it influence at all this decision to put it on your bucket list that you are going to climb Mount Everest? But it wasn't just the, the only mountain you climbed. You, I think you mentioned that you wanted to climb the highest mountains in every continent, right? That's correct. That's the journey that I'm on. Growing up, I grew up with my grandparents. Uh, they were missionaries. Uh, so my mm-hmm. grandfather was a pastor who was moving around. And with all my uncles and aunties, I was kind of the youngest, really protected. But I was the tomboy of not, right? Mm-hmm. My grand had a bicycle and I was bought a small bicycle. All my friends were really boys. I mean, toys were like, uh, you know, the dolls were, were not my thing. At one point, we lived in the in the DRC. It was called Zaire at the time. Mm-hmm. And behind our house, there was a like a hill. And I would go and play on top of this hill and I would look at all the roofs of the houses and mm-hmm. wonder what, what is beyond that. At that point, I didn't know about Everest. I didn't know about Kilimanjaro. It was just me wanting to go out there. And that used to be the place where I'd go all the time. If I get into trouble in the house, I'd go up because nobody else, no, <laughs> all the mm-hmm. bad people house wanted to go up there but that was really me but I, I, when I moved from my grandparents to my mother I became the second born of seven girls so I became the kind of the oldest the second oldest beg your pardon and still was like looking after my sisters but when I think back all my sisters were in doing your hair and doing makeup but I still was in the outside and playing football and stuff like that. But it was really a happy child. But one fundamental thing from my grandfather, who was really my favorite person, was uh, that we are all here to right. save. We're here to change the world. And if you, you die before doing that, you've actually wasted talent. And it's something that I, I, I lost somewhere as I got married, got kids, got into the corporate world, and it was about boardroom. <laughs> that this journey has just resurrected in me and it's my why. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I, I started Summits with a Purpose, which is a, a Facebook platform, which I use to raise money as I climb towards education and literacy, because that for me is the equalizer. It, it is the one thing that they invested in me that I believe has made me think differently, do the things that I do and, and enabled me to be able to make a difference. Wow, that is quite a story and, and I can see how it ties up into your purpose. I also like grew up with my grandfather being someone who just served as a role model into like, okay, don't settle for the average. You can actually change and influence the world around you. 
again, just to show like these different aspects of your personality, because right now you're also working in corporate. What is your day job like? <laughs> right now, it's all about Zoom and Microsoft Teams. <laughs> I am an executive. Um, I look after e-commerce platform for Momentum, as well as the partner acquisition product development and really deal negotiations and managing of partners with a, with a team of amazing people that I work with. Um, and, and it's about, for me, if I look at partnerships, it's about negotiations and making sure there's a win-win, which allows a sustainable relationship. And if we take that into the mountains, nobody gets to the top alone, you know. Yes. That they're valuable partnerships that it makes both parties, both companies, mine and theirs succeed, whereas the, cu- the customer gets the value that they need. And, and that excites me when I'm doing that. You know, sitting on Zoom and, and Microsoft team, not so much. <laughs> but <laughs> it is what it is. And I think that it's, it's the new normal, which uh, yeah. quite frankly, if I were to be honest, is giving me a lot of time because you're not having to travel yes. all the time. And you can do more with that time. I can train a little bit more. <laughs> I can do, I can squeeze in a, a few things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I was in traffic, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, that's my day, really. What is interesting about, I think, the mindset that you've developed for, I think, attempting to climb your mountains versus the office and the stress and, and maybe even this pandemic that people are struggling with? How does this, mindset lend each itself to all these various areas in our lives i'm actually i've recently i mean the lockdown <laughs> forced me to do a certification as a transformational coach you know, i've wow. always met with people yeah. and then i thought okay i've got so much time what else can i do and and i did this course and, and i realized that actually it's something that i can do not everybody thinks the same you yes. know the wonder people say how could you go back four times how could you go back after being left for dead in the in the death zone and for me it was like but you anybody could have done that but apparently not um, apparently I, not <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna get to that question it's really about a, a summit mindset about about mm-hmm. knowing that your summit you know your why is out there and maybe the route that you took is not necessarily the right one uh-huh. change route you know, and, and if you, I mean, you are South African, you can say, you know, double up, you know, shortcut. This <laughs> but you know what? Your summit is still there. The mountain is not moving. The summit is not moving. You just need to make sure you have the right people on your team to partner with on your way to the summit. And if the guys that you are partnering with are really their summit is base camp, maybe at some point you need to let go. But know that um, you need other partnerships to help you to get to where you need to go. And, and if I bring it back to what's happening with COVID-19, yeah. are stronger. You know, one of the things that I say is, which I discovered, I always, when I first got introduced to Everest, I listened to people that had done it and I would sit there and I'm thinking, wow. It's the same when I was watching movies as, yes. as or cartoons as a young kid, looking at all Superman, Wonder Woman and She-Ra and thinking, wow, amazing, but I can never be like that. Uh-huh. Self-disbelief of sort and believing that, you know, I'm ordinary and they are extraordinary. And I'm like, no, no, let's stop with that. You know, yes. we are extraordinary and being ordinary is a choice that we make. So we need to start behaving like that. And with this pandemic, it's there. It's there to challenge it, but we are stronger than we believe. And if we keep focused and we work together, 
we can get to the top. And if you think about it, I think I'm fine. So I must just walk out with, you know, carelessly without a mask and behaving differently, but not taking care of other people. What world would you want? Other people are actually being affected. Are you going to be alone in this environment? We need to look after each other. We need to get the right partnerships and we need to make sure that we realize that we are extraordinary and we are responsible for ourselves and the people around us. And that's the only way that you get to the mountain. Again, if I go back to Everest, you have Sherpas. Not all of them get with you to the summit. You have some that come with you up to Everest Base Camp. And it's not that they don't wish you well to get to the summit. They do, but they've done their job there and they let you go with other shapers that go up to camp too and you leave them there and you go with your one shaper all the way to the top. And life is also like that. I tend to talk too much, so you need to stop. No, no, it's okay. Like it's, I'm processing, you know, I think what you just illustrated is also like at every level or stage in your life, you tend to have different friends for different purposes, I guess, if that makes sense different influences absolutely you know you can either grow with them but if their ambition is not to grow all the way to the summit that's okay because maybe they've reached their summit yeah it's great if you grow with them all the way to the summit absolutely you know that's the the first preference but at some point you just need to look after yourself i'm sure you've heard of these when you're on the plane they say put the oxygen on yourself in order for you to help others It's the same concept. It's that simple. And we can apply that. If I'm doing well and I am actually on the summit, I'm able to pull other people up. I think that responsibility is really what Ubuntu is about. It's something that Africans can actually take to the world as a a win because that's what makes us authentically African. That's what I miss as well. (laughs) (laughs) How has this affected your role as a mom? Because you're a mom of how many? Two? Two boys. 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 I mean, did you ever get feedback from people like, how could you leave your kids and go climb these mountains? Did you ever get criticized for being selfish, for wanting to achieve this, this dream of yours? How did you react and how did you deal with that? So, so, so I did a lot of that, apart from being told, what am I doing there? There are no mountains in Africa. (laughs) What is funny, those same people would never ask a father what they're doing on the mountain because they've got kids at home. Those same people would not ask a woman of a different color to mine why they're there because they kind of not. So for me, I find that as a moment to educate because after that summit, I think when people see someone like me finding their way through to camp for onto the summit, they will give them the, the benefit of the doubt. Uh-huh. because of their capability and not because of where they come from or what they look like. And if I come back, I think we have kids. At some yes. point, they go to college and they leave your nest. I don't want to regret that I didn't follow my dreams and almost like inside blame them for being responsible yes. for me not achieving my dreams. I can be an amazing mother, which I believe I am, and still follow my dreams and change the world. It's inspired my kids. I can see that the way they're going for their goals is totally different from the way they did previously. My son wrote a song for me when I came back. He says, you have shown that hard work and persistence is the key. He says summits with a purpose is the reason you crafted, you've gone, and you've gotten your dream. And I came back home. He had taken a semester off college. I came back home and he came to me and said, mom, I've gone back. I've registered. Can I have the card to go and pay? 
that had never happened. All the times that, where are you? Get into the car. Let's go to college. Let's go register. And I think that that's the way we need to look at it. It's not, and also, I'm not a daredevil, you know. Yeah. Uh, the joke in the house is I'm going to take life-preserving steps. It's realizing that I have a life after the summit. The mountain will always be there. And that's what gave me the courage to turn back 99 meters from the top. Because yes. I could realize that I'm going to make the summit. I'm not going to make it home. What is important is also realizing that we don't have control over when our time is up. Right. I could easily get into an accident outside my house. And that's it. You know, that's it for me. But what would have been important, what I would have done before then. So I'm not afraid to die because death will find me wherever I am. I'm afraid okay. to die not having lived, somebody said. I'm afraid to die not having fulfilled my purpose. And I agree I- with you. <laughs> I totally agree with you. <laughs> I'm going to come back to your previous attempts, right? Because I think I asked you this before as well. You didn't give up after your first attempt. And, and you just like explained, mountain is always going to be there. So for you, it wasn't that you had to do it that first time. But it still took a lot of courage. It still took a lot of preparation, a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of energy. I mean, I definitely would have thought about it after the first time. Why did you not give up after your first try? And what was it that kept you going after the second, after the third, and then eventually you're there on the fourth? You also mentioned that during your last attempt, you had a different strategy. So maybe just Tell me about the first time you, you climbed, the second time, and the third time. Yeah. I can tell you that the first time was the most difficult because the, the first attempt in 2014, all I had done was Kilimanjaro and I went and trained in Chamonix in, in France, just uh, around Mont Blanc. And the next thing I was on Everest. On hindsight, I shouldn't have been there. I didn't have enough training, knowing what I know today. And two weeks before I went for this attempt, somebody actually stole, I had packed all my bags. They stole my bags and the police caught them and brought my bags back. Mm. Now, why I'm, I'm saying that is because all my equipment were packed in those bags and it was about 80,000 rands. If I didn't get that equipment back, I wouldn't have gone back onto that mountain because I couldn't have afforded to reinvest yes. and get myself in two weeks onto that mountain. So when they caught them and brought it back, for me, it was a sign that this is what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. And I get on the mountain and 16 shepherds die. Now, I had read, I had seen movies about people dying on Everest. People talk about people passing dead bodies and all sorts, which I didn't see, by the way. So to actually see them pulling dead bodies in the, from the Kumbu Icefall onto base camp freaked me out. Yes. Because when I looked at people that had more experience than I, than I had, they were just as scared as I was. One of them, in fact, just didn't even bother packing up ran away from Everest Base Camp. That's how freaked out they were. And I questioned myself. There was a lot of reflection when I came back home. People were like, oh no, you've tried. You don't have to do it again. You know, this is not our thing. This is not a black thing. And then I just started reflecting. Says, if this is not my thing, whose thing is it? Like, why are there things that are not mine and things that yeah. are mine? Like, that just doesn't feel right. And then I went back to why I'm doing it. Because for me, climbing has become a little bit more than just getting on the summit and taking a picture. When I came back and and I was able that year to feed over 60,000 children through the Lunchbox Fund, that was my summit. And I just made a decision that 
I need to sit down and figure out what I learned from that experience. When I looked at it, I had two pages of positives that I got from that experience and half a page of things that didn't work out. Quite frankly, one thing, I didn't summit, mm-hmm. you know. And also people lost their lives. That's the second thing. But otherwise, I became a better me because of that. And I wanted more of that. I wanted to be able to make more and more of a difference and also learn more about myself as much as I was learning about the mountain. And that got me back onto the mountain in 2015. I started cycling. I started running, which I hadn't done before I went during the first trip. Why? Because I found that cyclists and runners, people that did a lot more cardio, were a lot more fitter and they were having a better time on the mountain than I did. So I adopted those. I mean, and I went back a lot stronger. I mean, I was pushing. When the earthquake happened in 2015, we were nine climbers. Three were ahead of me. I was the fourth one. Five were behind me. That would never have happened in in 2014 when I was just novice and, you know, running behind everybody else that had, Uh I mean, the least experienced person other than myself had five years experience in climbing. So it's just, I think it's a mindset of what have I learned? How can I fail forward? Because failure, when we we fail to actually learn from the experience, we fail to unlearn things that worked before that are not going to work now. For example, I mean, now there's COVID. If I insist on having face-to-face meetings, guess what? I'm going to be out of business. (laughs) I need to unlearn and learn how to do meetings through this, through Zoom calls and, and Microsoft Teams and Skype and everything else that's out there in order to remain relevant, in order not only to survive, but to thrive. So 2015, the mountain was closed after the earthquake. And unfortunately, that was really uh, quite a bad one because Nepal lost over 8,000, they say about 9,000 people during that year. At base camp, about 18 people died. And I came home. And one of the things that's interesting is I had sent over 200 letters (laughs) asking for sponsorships. People now, some people actually even told me to my face, nobody like you has done it. Maybe you guys need a man to actually take you um, to, in order to do this, you know. And that for me is someone that grew up with a single mother, with seven girls. It was just a no. You know, she raised me to be where I am on her own. So she can do whatever she needs to do. And I can do whatever I need to do. And I don't need to have more testosterone in order to justify my choices, in order to, to do what I need to do. What is that telling the girl child? That's yes. Become, you know, did, did that make you angry, though, at any point? Oh, did it frustrate oh, you? How did you overcome that? Just that, oh, my God, this is so unfair. How did you overcome that part? So in 2017, when I went up, I was fueled by anger because of this incident, because it was, it was actually big. It made me angry, but I used it to motivate me to move forward, not just to, on, to prove to myself, to, pro- to prove to people like the guys that actually said that to me, that next time they see somebody that you know, is female, that's different to them, they should judge them by their ability, not what they look like. I, I just think that needs to go. That's where the world goes wrong. I think we shouldn't be afraid of diversity. I mean, you know, we should embrace it because we are stronger in our diversity than, than otherwise. That infuriated me. But at the same time, that made me so sad when I couldn't make it in 2017. Yeah. After gaining consciousness at Camp 4 and looking up at Everest and seeing that I wasn't going to make it uh, that 
uh, year, I suppose, I was sad because I started wondering in my head whether the naysayers were right. Yeah, you start to doubt yourself. Yes, yes. And and I think for me during this journey, that is the lowest point Mm -hmm. ever. It's when you start thinking that the naysayers are right. And it's just important to be able to pull yourself out of that and, and get going and just figuring out what you need to learn from that and move forward. How did you pull yourself out of that? I think we've all had those situations where we failed at something that we really wanted to work out and then it doesn't. And then you question yourself and then you question whether this is actually meant for you or maybe you you should, maybe this isn't meant for you. And uh, how did you decide I'm going to still keep trying? Yeah. Once again, it's going back to my why. But one of the ignitions, if I may call it that, was my son asking uh-huh. me, to say, when are you going back to Everest? Or, and not, are you going back to Everest? Because for him, he couldn't think that, you know, I would, be give, I would have given up or I would not be thinking of it. And it's exactly what I do with him. If they lose a soccer game, I'm like, okay, what did you learn from it? Go back, do it better, you know? So for him, it was, when are you going back? And I actually was like, oh my word, okay. Is he seeing that inside I've actually given up? (laughs) That kind of made me go back because what lesson am I giving him? What what lesson am I giving him for when things go tough? That he must give up. So giving up is not an option. I was just reminded by that. And I think it's important to also realize that what we are investing in them, in in Mm -hmm. people around us, every now and again, when we need to be lifted up, they pay it back to us and and that's really what happened and I I went back and I did my two-pager what will I do differently I went with a different guide a smaller team and I also did not worry about the summit I just worried about getting to the first camp and the second camp and I also was not going to play anybody's game in terms of racing with anybody I just I went there I trained on my own I went with my own strategy and I did exactly that 2019, I beg your pardon, on the 16th of May, I was able to to actually summit. And that was humbling, to say the least, very humbling. And one of the things that I remember vividly, which I probably shared with you, is just looking down and seeing that the the clouds were beneath me. And I'm just, my mother always said to me and my sisters, the sky is the limit. She was wrong. The sky is (laughs) not the limit. We need to aim higher, you know, going beyond the clouds. And maybe we can drop on the clouds and and that that is just amazing and and that is one thing that gift that i would like to give to my children and the next generation to aim higher because we are extraordinary and this is why we have to celebrate you because i i just your story for me is something that you know i think i've shared it with all of my friends and like here this is what you need is teach your daughters and your kids and tell them these stories because i like that how old were you when you reached the summit oh i was 48 and there you go you you know you're 48 you're a mom of two you have a job and it's when you say this to someone you you think like what are the chances but the fact that we see it happening we know that it's possible yeah absolutely like mandela said it always seems impossible until it's done so just take the next step and the next, you know, you won't get to the summit if you don't step. So keep stepping and you get to the summit. So thank you for that encouragement. Let's talk a little bit about, I think, 
the charitable part of, I think, somewhat with a purpose. You also, you mentioned going to a kid's haven or a children's haven and a, a young girl said to you, are you really from the townships? Are you really from, <laughs> or something to that effect, just clarify for me. How did you react? It was really an aha moment, as I mentioned. Raised funds to build the Manato gym and convert a room into a library for the home. And this is a home that we had been supporting. Every month we would ask our colleagues for some money so that we can bus them to go into hikes or to go into a restaurant, show them how to order, or bring them to the office and teach them like interview etiquette for the ones yes. that we and over time you see that there's donor fatigue as people see you coming towards their desks or their offices they pretend to be on the phone <laughs> what does she want this time but but this was an opportunity to actually share not all of them would done would do Kilimanjaro but they can go to Kili to Uhuru Peak with us uh, through our pictures and our stories and that was the idea and we managed to do that so well the summit happened on the mountain. For me, the real summit happened when we were handing over the outdoor gym and the library because one of the kids came to me and said, do you really come from the township? And initially I thought it was a joke, do black people swim kind of thing. I mean, <laughs> oh, to these kids. So until I realized that she was serious, right? Yes. Um, there was a sense of self-disbelief, something that I could relate to as, the, as a younger me that I also... Yes didn't think, you know, I was extraordinary or anything like that. And, and so that is really the beginning of me saying, I can use this to show her, to show me, to show my kids that help comes from within as a starting point. And they too can change the world. And, and it just doesn't matter what they look like, where they come from, you know, they can, or where they are today. And, and I think even adults, where I am today doesn't determine where I can be tomorrow. Uh -huh. It will only do that if my mindset says, this is where I am. If I have a summit mindset, I belong on the summit. And so do we. And I've been there. There's enough space for everybody. <laughs> and, and what is really powerful, I think, is this mindset that you talk about. Because it's not the mindset that society that we grew up in teaches us. It's really just following I think this gut instinct that is your why that is pushing you forward and saying, shut out this other message that you get from the community sometimes, because it's a struggle that I've had is you grow up in a society where you feel like you have to do what everyone else does and follow, or as a woman, you're supposed to be subservient and not have these big dreams, be a mom, take care of your kids. How did you navigate between the challenges of the society that you were raised and your crazy dreams? I like that. One thing that I just, just came to mind as you were talking, I don't think we are born like that. Yeah. The society unteaches us to yes. be extra and to be unique. Because if you look at, I don't know if you have children, if you look at the kids, they just get up and they walk and they do stuff and you're like, oh, you hate yourself. Oh, you do this. And, and we kind of tend them to be unique and extraordinary and show them how to walk. What is normal? I was there, you know, I yes. was like, 
an eight to five job person and I must, you know, I must uh, aim for that corner office and I must not, uh, you know, succumb to my own intuition to say, I want to do this. I want to change the world. Changing the world was for other people. Yes. Mine was just a housewife to be a business leader. Actually, if you think about it a few years ago, they a woman think they want to be a manager. You know, and we've just gone past that. What else do we need to go past so that the next generation doesn't have to feel confined, doesn't have to feel that the choices are A, B, C? Why can't the choices be from A to Z? Why not? 100%. We need to teach our girls and we need to teach our boys that this playing field is leveled. You go for what you need to go for because you are unique and the world is waiting to see your uniqueness. It's, that's the gift that you have to give to the world. Otherwise, we, I don't think we'll move forward into the next generation as quickly and as a collective with success as we would if we continue saying, these are the to-dos, these are the not-to-dos. I mean, think about companies that are successful today. I'll yes. pick up Apple, you know, as an example. Were they successful because they were doing things the way Kodak has always done things? No. No. They took the ring ring telephone and uh, put the camera on. And today we norm. Yeah, right? They so made it design stylish. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it, it's the same with us. It's the same with us. We need to actually look at it and say, how can I guide my daughter or my son within what to be what they need to be so that the world is able to receive a gift that they're here to give? It's easier said than done because the rest of the society will continually think, oh, that's crazy. That's not normal. So the, the child needs to have a strong mindset and the right guidance from home and from the people around him or her to say, it's okay, you're doing well, before the world can go on and celebrate them. Wow. Okay. That, that is really powerful. And I definitely agree with you. I do have a daughter. So this is also the reason why I, I decided that you know, raising a bicultural, biracial child in a society where I think she's a minority. I think it's really powerful to let her come into contact with people who have different stories, different backgrounds, so that in her life, this is all normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, one of the questions I wanted to ask was about faith, because I think you mentioned this the last time. I, I kind of got this feeling that faith had a huge role to play in your summit. Yeah, how does this affect your everyday life and just your outlook? So what, one of my favorite verses, so I am a Christian. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. When things don't work out and I, I would cry about it, I, mean, yeah. I don't cry about it for too long because I have the comfort that he's got a bigger plan uh -huh. and it's for my good. I don't understand this, but with time I'm going to understand it. I didn't understand why I couldn't go, I couldn't summit in 2014 and 2015. Yeah. 17. And that's why I obsessed about searching what I need to learn from the experience in order to be a better me every day. For me, is one of the reasons I can, with all conviction, tell you that 2019 was possible. It's just not me. It was his time. And, yes. and I think we trust the process. Yeah. Trust the process is important. That's crazy. That's cool. And yeah, so right now, were you planning on climbing any mountains this year? 
<laughs> yeah, I was actually preparing on uh, going to the North Pole. It was, it was cancelled, obviously, and moved yes. to 2021. I was also meant to go to Mount Castens Pyramid and uh, Denali, which is in North America. And that was also cancelled. I remember initially, like in February, I was like in denial. Yeah, Everest is cancelled, but maybe mine not. Until <laughs> like, boom, everything is cancelled. And um, so... The reality is, I'm looking at it to say it's been moved to that side. I'm going to be even stronger for it when I come to it. So I'm keeping my mind focused on other stuff, but making sure that I continue training so that when the time is right, I'm ready for that opportunity. I think many times we cry too much. And then when the opportunity comes, we're not ready. We're not prepared. Yeah, we're not prepared. My challenge to to everybody is, what are you doing during this lockdown so that when everything passes, you are a stronger you for the extraordinariness that we need to receive from you. You're preaching to me right now. How does your training look like? Like, how often do you train? Uh, So I, I try and train every day and maybe except one day a week. And now I'm not doing it, but I was training morning and evening. Now I'm wow. just training. I have uh, a biokineticist. That's my yes. personal trainer that I'm seeing three times a week. So now we're doing it uh, through Zoom calls. It's still as terrible as when I get into a studio, but, <laughs> but she is amazing. So we're doing that. And then I'm doing runs on the, on the other days. Closer to going to the North Pole, I'll start pulling tires, obviously, with that. I've gone hiking as well, but the hiking trail now is quite packed. So I'm actually preferring to to walk around the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. Another last question. Since the summit and since, I don't know, the the feedback, the responses, do you think that sponsors now would be more open towards sponsoring you or how has the response been in that regard? It's really done a a 180. um, Yeah. 60 because I'm now a sponsored athlete the North Pole and completing the Grand Slam is actually sponsored by partner Momentum uh, is a partner so I'm a Momentum ambassador now so I moved from clearing my credit card to actually being sponsored which is a testament to say the world doesn't owe you anything cheer yourself up and once you've made it they'll cheer you on and that's okay thank you so much piece of advice for your younger self I should have done this earlier, you know, believe in yourself. (laughs) The norm is overrated, Sarah. This is me talking to myself now. What is seen as the norm is overrated. Be yourself, get out there and prove to yourself that you are extraordinary and the world will see how extraordinary you are. And when you serve, service comes back your way in abundance. And that's the only way you can have an impact in your world and the world around you. Oh, thank you so much for that. 